Hi, welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of April 6th from Interval. I am Interval President Chris Bevelo, and we have with us uh, Adam Meyer, Design Director. And Jackie Rotaco, Account Coordinator. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you, everybody mm-hmm. out there for listening. Uh, this is going to be a pretty healthcare-focused podcast. Maybe we'll stray a little bit, but I think most of what we have to talk about is healthcare and healthcare marketing related. We'll start with more bad news uh, that we, on the day of recording, uh, heard from a number of media outlets here in the Twin Cities anyway. So our market continues to suffer when it comes to hospitals and health systems. Uh, Fairview Health Services, which is the second largest system, uh, maybe in the state, I think in the metro for sure, uh, is planning a wage freeze for all of its employees for 2009. Uh, Alina had already announced a executive pay freeze. Uh, so that's kind of on top of that. And then Park Nicollet Health Services, another large system, uh, has frozen 2009 wages for all non-union employees and uh, announced some additional layoffs of licensed practical nurses. So again, we're cutting to the bone here. We're getting into uh, the actual care that's being delivered. Uh, and we hear rumblings of, of other systems in town that are you know, still struggling with these and considering layoffs. So uh, unfortunately, the beat goes on and doesn't show any signs of abating. Yep. So, cheers to that. <laughs> Happy Good day. news. Yeah, you know, and, and it will be interesting to see as the economy hopefully turns around near the end of the year, next year as people are talking, whether this will change or whether, like we posted in our blog, whether we're seeing a permanent change in healthcare utilization and, uh, and the long-term effects of that. That's the projection the end of next year is when well it depends who you listen to the people that have a stake in a sooner turnaround particularly the fed Mm -hmm. chairman Mm -hmm. uh the obama administration their projections are counting on an 09 end of 09 turnaround because that helps their budget projections and the deficit and all those things but most people think there's no way in hell we're going to do that this year and if we're lucky it'll start early middle of next year 2010 sure I mean, there's already some signs that things are doing better the dow did, is doing better uh housing is depending on where you look at is looking like it's bottoming out but uh mm-hmm. there's still a lot of stuff that could go wrong with the banks and uh so we're not out of the woods yet i don't think so we'll keep an eye on that and let you know uh and we'll try to report the good news as re- as it applies to healthcare systems at least in our market as it comes they're just Hasn't been much recently. So uh, another thing we wanted to talk about was there was a discussion through the Shushmid knowledge community. So there's a couple of things Shushmid has, and I'm confused as to the difference, but there's a knowledge community, which I think is kind of their attempt at, like, creating their own Facebook, their own social network. Uh, There's a number of different tools within that, but part of it is kind of a message board function they also have just a straight listserv message board function which is separate and i think the two are connected somehow but somebody uh last week i think posted the question about kind of a sacred cow in healthcare, which is if you can if you can grab a woman who's having a baby and make her your patient she will be a patient for life uh obviously there's some caveats to that but the the, the thinking goes the common sense wisdom is if you can if you can get in there and give her a great experience she's she's going to stick with you and because another sacred cow 
women are the decision makers and families, you will also grab her family along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and these have been around for years, these kind of sacred cows, which was, what was interesting to me was uh, the feedback that people were giving, and a lot of people were pushing back on that. Uh, for example, here's a, a post by a, uh, I don't know who these folks are, but Daniel Mears, who has done some research uh, just looking at population. Uh, and, and based on his, you know, really basic study, uh, he said there's a significant likelihood that many new moms, maybe 30 to 40 percent over the course of 20 years, will move away, will just move. So forget about health care utilization. They're just moving out of the area. That's just general migration patterns of U.S. population. So right there, you're almost at a third to maybe a half of those women who come and have a baby at your hospital who just aren't even around anymore. Mm-hmm. Forget about the fact that uh, they may not need health care for a while, certainly hospitalization. Uh, folks will pick a hospital out of their local area for delivering. Uh, those with better experience, those with critical care, ICUs, NICUs, uh, but won't necessarily go back there for a broken arm. So uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. You guys have any? You guys have any thoughts on that? We're going to kind of dive into some other sacred cows and throw them out there. But do you have any thoughts on that one specific? Yeah, my first thought is every time I hear sacred cow, it reminds me of one of my favorite typos ever. And you could probably imagine what it is, right? Right there, sacred cow. No. Yes. No, I was when Can I was. Can you wor- say it on the air? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was working internally for a marketing department of a hospital, and. Uh, it was a, even in a poll quote that was pulled out in a newsletter. It was something, something sacred cows, but sacred was scared. spelled scared. So it was the sca- scared cows. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give that sentence a whole new meaning. I'm going to sub-reference again because my favorite typo of all time was uh, my last job before I started this business. Uh, we were hiring for a PR position and somebody sent in a, a resume and their, their lead position was at a university and they were the director of pubic relations (laughs) (laughs) and it was in the title of the resume that's that's a keeper right there so anyway let's get back to the maternity patient (laughs) sacred cow you guys have any just your own gut reactions to that yeah no everything you said makes sense i mean I don't know what to. I don't know. I'm not sure if I have much to add to. Nothing. It. No. 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 Okay. Seems, it seems pretty logical. There were, if you can, if you have access to that, I encourage you to kind of look at that string of messages. And uh, there were a number. I just threw out one, but there were most of them seem to come back and say, "Hey, you, you shouldn't hang your hat on. Let's let's go out there and make sure we get these folks because that will guarantee their loyalty." Uh, I also love somebody posted um, in other industries. There's something called the lifetime value of a customer. So phone companies, cell phone companies are great at understanding, you know, how if we land a cell phone customer, how much can we expect them to bring us in revenue over the lifetime of that customer? And therefore, how much should we spend to try to land them? And somebody said, well, I've been trying to figure that out for healthcare, and it's I can't find anything on it. So it kind of shows you again where we're, we're basing so many of our strategies on these old-fashioned scared cows and people aren't <laughs> digging into them so i threw this question out to the to the twitterati and and got some great feedback i said well you know get, throw out some other sacred cows uh tom stitt who is uh someone i follow it's a healthcare strategist from california had a number of them he had uh let's see 
Physicians, not patients, make hospital admission decisions. You hear that all the time. It's all about the physician, which it is a large part. But we've said over and over these days, folks are, are kind of owning that decision themselves. Uh, the local hospital is your best option for care, procedure, treatment. The, they all believe that. And, it's, of course, they have to believe that. Uh, but is it really the best option? Uh, what was one that he just came up with recently? Uh, patient, patients and families remember the quality of the care, not the food, the TV, the wireless internet <laughs> parking. Huh? Right. You guys are laughing at that, right? Right. Yeah. I think we've burned how much blog space <laughs> trying to fight that one, right? So I thought that was a good one. Uh, another one from Nick Dawson, who's a healthcare consultant out of Virginia, was uh, all that matters is the 40 to 60-year-old demographic. So kind of like the sacred cow of women, it's always women who make all the healthcare decisions in every family mm-hmm. and only focus on them. Any any thoughts? Am I just... Did I throw them out there too fast and you're yeah, they, those, trying to process all of that? <laughs> those all sound, yeah. I mean, we hear those, we hear those over and over. Yeah. How do, how, do you, how do you break through these? I mean, some of these, we've mentioned this before on a podcast, we don't even try to fight the, health, the women make the decisions because it's so ingrained that it's, it's, a, it's fighting a losing battle. And we haven't been able to invest in the research to disprove it. Uh, I think obviously it's situational, but sometimes you just got to, if you stick on things like that, you won't get anywhere. Right. Which is unfortunate. I mean, you should always push back on those, right? Yeah. You guys are just not talking today. <laughs> I'm not here on my own. I'm just <laughs> We're agreeing. Listening. I'm just soaking up your knowledge. <laughs> it's not my knowledge. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it out there to the Twitter folks and they're bouncing back with all these these great ones. Another one we, we don't do too much with donations, foundation, charitable giving. But again, Tom Stitt had a sacred cow that hospitals should only focus on large amount slash uh, life estate charitable donations, not small donors. Which, if you look at like the Obama campaign, is a great example of disproving raising money should only come for the big whales. Mm. That fifty hundred bucks a pop, if you can do it right can get you a long way yeah or like was, was ron paul during this last election who yep. raised oh, millions online yep from, and that was like in increments of was, you know people like us or whoever you know giving them five ten bucks yeah when millions of people do that i mean obviously that's a little bit not gonna expect a local health system necessarily to raise millions nationally because there's no reason for people nationally to give that right but that's certainly you know there's certainly a scale to look at to get that locally yeah. you know so, some amount yeah i mean it's understandable why they're shooting so large but shouldn't ignore the little folks either and again we don't have we just don't have a lot of experience with that uh so i'm trusting tom when he puts it out there that that's the the approach and attitude but uh if you use the political analogy i think you can see where that mm-hmm. that breaks down Okay. Any other sacred cows you guys can throw out there? You listed a lot. Yeah, it's hard to come up with them on the spot. I mean, when you, when, you, when you list them out, and I'm sure there's like 20 more you could list out, and I'd be like, ah, yes. Well, we talked about one last week, right? The if people just knew about us. Oh, if, man. If people the hidden only gem. knew about the services we <laughs> offered. We're the best kept <laughs> secret. Yes. Yeah. That would solve all of our marketing slash business slash yep. volume problems. 
Right. So we kind of then we beat that up last time. A little bit. Yeah, it was a couple. We days filleted ago. that cow. <laughs> did we or did we just raise it? I can't even recall. Uh, it was so long ago. Yes, two days. Two days. <laughs> was it two days? It was like a, yeah, it was not very long ago. Two days ago. <laughs> but I think we talked about how with that one in particular, you're assuming, like you said, I think you had a great point, Adam. That that the folks who think that believe in their product, believe mm-hmm. in what they offer from a care perspective, which is understandable. Uh, and, it, and it stems from the days 20, 30 years ago when hospitals literally could just put up a sign and people would come. Uh, but it's so different now. And, you know, you can't assume that just letting people know. We use the Sears catalog and all that. Let's not rehash that. I think we did fillet that sacred cow. <laughs> okay. So we're going to move on to something else. Uh, we kind of joked about this yesterday. Uh, we received, and we receive these uh, occasionally, let me pull it up here, RFPs from hospitals and health systems for advertising, marketing services. And sometimes, you know, we have a policy that we typically do not respond to an RFP. And we'll get into that. We thought, you know, it's easy for us to rail against them, but it might be helpful for those out there listening who aren't sure whether they should use them or who do use them uh, to understand why someone like us and others like us wouldn't even respond to them. So we're going to get into that a little bit. I think there are uh, some valuable points to some RFPs. We've had RFPs that are, are short, to the point, and basically just outline what a health, mm-hmm. hospital health system is looking for. Uh, you can tell those are the ones developed by the people that are actually going to use the service, as opposed to the one we received yesterday. And we certainly will not call <laughs> out the system. But let's just say it was near 30 pages long. Let's just say it came through their purchasing department. And let's just read you one line <laughs> from page two of this RFP, which has, you know, it's full of legal, full. Half of the RFP is legal banter. banter. Uh, and clearly they're using a template that they've used to, like, purchase medical equipment or cotton swabs or whatever they purchase where they're trying to, like, pin down a vendor. Just listen to this statement. I hereby swear or affirm under the penalty for false swearing as provided by 523.040. I can't even figure out what that means. No. That I hereby swear under penalty of false swearing. It sounds made up. It sounds like something from a Monty Python movie. (laughs) The Holy Hand Grenade, right? Of Antioch. That's right. You get to that stuff and you just glaze over. And thou shall be snuffeth. Well, it's so impersonal. I Mm -hmm. mean, if there's one thing, and I I, I could probably speak for any agency our our size, that we value is having a personal relationship with the people. You mean you work with people you like to work with. And that's the people you want to continue to work with. It's hard to imagine a relationship getting kicked off with such an impersonal proposal. I mean, it's just, I, t- I wouldn't consider it. I, it and, and, you know, I understand why, especially in bigger health systems, sometimes they're forced to do this. Uh, purchasing is the department that helps restrict costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a lot of this in the Twin Cities years ago. When companies like 3M, uh, Best Buy, some others tried to create auctions, uh, which were basically, and this is part of the problem with RFP, it's all from a, a cost focus, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Again, if you're trying to buy a million cotton swabs, 
where you know you can you can really articulate the quality and the parameters you're looking for. But if you're looking for consulting, cost is certainly not the only the only oh, issue you should right. look at. And if that's the perspective you're coming from, you're missing a lot. So you would so this system is automatically missing us. And you know, we've got a good reputation in the industry. There are many other healthcare marketing and advertising firms that have the same policy. They just will not respond to it. And and here's here's kind of our take on it. First of all, like you said, Adam, we're looking for clients that engage us for our expertise. And our experience is RFPs squeeze that out. Mm-hmm. You're basically squeezing it down to the lowest common denominator. And so, you know, you automatically cut us out, but everything else comes down to these quantifiable, you know, some of them, I didn't even read this one, it was so long, but they get into what are, what are your employees' salaries, what do they make per hour, just these, because that's what they're measuring is the quantifiable things. Uh, and they're missing the subjective uh, things you can't qual- quantify right. that are the most important when you're hiring a partner or a consultant. So uh, that's one reason we don't participate because it basically cuts out any, any of the value that we would provide. It really kind of dumbs it down. The second is 26, 27, 28 page RFP, full of legalese. What would the cost be to a firm like ours to participate in that? Huge, huge. We would have to have legal counsel. We would spend hours and hours and hours crafting response, all of which is paid by whom? Us. Not us. Well, we pay for the. We pay for it, but who ends up paying for it if we're paying for it? Our clients. Well, yeah, it ends up course, having to be of part course. of our fee structure. And, and how fair is it that our clients are subsidizing the work that we're doing, this work that's inefficient and ineffective in our minds, uh, if if these folks sending out the RFPs thought of it that way, would they want their money spent to pursue other RFPs? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone were to say, here's $5,000 because we know how much this is going to cost you to participate, fine. Maybe we would think about doing it. Uh, still on an effective basis, I don't think we would. Mm-hmm. But that's another reason. It just doesn't seem to be fair to the people we're working with who we value more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, so that's another reason, and there are some other reasons, but uh, I think it's helpful for folks out there that are on the sending side to understand why they're not always well-received. And there's just so many red flags with it, we don't need to get into more of it. And I know it can sound defensive, uh, but we've you know we've been very successful without responding to RFPs. Right. So we just don't feel like we need to. It kind of comes down to, do you really value what we can give you? And if you do, then why would you why would you force us through the ringer or anybody else through that kind of legal, administrative, bureaucratic? Right. It's what happens, <laughs> but, but typically when we're right. working with the clients we value, we're coming in, there's somebody that knows exactly what they're looking for because they've ever had it before or they've asked around uh, and, they know, and they know how to get it, which is through understanding what the services are, talking to the group, and asking for referrals. Right, right. Well, just imagine all of the effort being put into making these RFPs being put into, instead of being put into that, those people put them into taking advantage of their own networks to get word of mouth, to find out who people have worked with in the past that they enjoyed, and, you know, getting those, those are the kind of referrals you want. Right. You know, rather than blanketing a bunch of people who you don't know anything about with RFPs in hopes of, whatever you're going to get back right you know to talk mm-hmm. to the people who have 
who are your colleagues, your your peers, and find out who they have worked with, who they enjoy working with, and do your research that way. Yeah. God, I couldn't. I don't know. It blows. It's a little bit mind. It is mind. Who is it? Mind bottling. Is that what was that from? Mind bottling. Yes. What movie is that from? Where they it's bottle Will Ferrell. your mind? Yeah, he's like, it's mind bottling. <laughs> no, I've never heard he's that like, before. It's when your mind's trapped in a bottle. No. I, 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 <laughs> I'm like correcting it. you. <laughs> I, I'm sure, again, it sounds, coming from an, a healthcare marketing firm, it can sound defensive or whiny. We just don't reply to them. Right. So that's kind of the stand that we, we take. And like you said, I mean, you can, you can pull up a directory of agencies across the country, shoot them this massive document you're going to weed out 80 to 90 percent of them right off the get-go but who is going to respond right well, because can, the people that are good at what they do are in demand and don't need to respond right to them. right so you're, you're eliminating the best right at least that's our perspective even in this economy i would say that i would say that's the case so anyway that's our little rfp rant and again we we understand and we sympathize with especially marketers who are forced to use that mm-hmm. Uh, but we would advocate that if you're looking for this kind of consulting expertise, that there are better ways to go about it. Yeah. Our two cents. Uh, I'll just, I don't know if we have anything else. I'm going to add, I just got another Twitter reply to the, uh, if you capture a mom when she delivers her baby, you capture for life. This is from uh, somebody in the Twitter, Roddy, who says, as a mom, this kills me. This is a healthcare marketing writer. Uh, let me see if I can get her name on here to give her credit. Katie Adams from Virginia Beach, Virginia, who is a freelance writer, PR marketing professional focused on healthcare. And her, her comment to that was, as a mom, this kills me. Why would I assume that because they delivered my baby, they can repair my heart, assumes patient stupidity. So again, the other person's kind of population movement statistics showed 30, 40% of the women are just gone. They're not any, they couldn't use you if they wanted to. Right. And then you've got, you know, those folks that would that think of you because you're great at delivering babies, but don't then assign a halo that you would be great at everything else. Uh, so it's just, it's certainly, I think, a sacred cow you could shoot down pretty easily. It would be nice if maybe we can put out a paper or something, sacred cows that need filleting, and, and build a case for it. Because even though we all kind of understand this, how often would you run up against it? A lot mm-hmm. in, in healthcare. So, all right. Anything else you guys want to add? Any ads you love to hate? Or I don't have any this week. I stopped watching TV after the McDonald's. Yeah, I haven't been exposed to too many. Wait, let's have a. We ads. have a follow up to the McDonald's Flayo Fish because Jackie wasn't with us. Give me that fish. Right. She wasn't with us when we when I ranted on it. She has a different I was viewpoint. Not happy. No. Why don't you give your <laughs> viewpoint on it? Well, I just think it's a great ad. I just. I mean, I agree that it gets stuck in your head and that's what you love to hate about it. But it's so funny. It's, it's (laughs) like the, um, it kind of reminds me of those Quiznos ads with, I loved those old Quiznos, those little guys who are like screaming. Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, it's uh, it's, I know people who just hated those ads with passion. Right. And it's either like you love them or you hate them. I mean, they were like cartoon rat things that you're like, is that what's underneath the, <laughs> the yeah. oven at Quiznos? Nice. Well, there's, there's, there's a website that's, funny. yeah, there's a website that's known for this, the style of animation. And I'm guessing that, um, whoever created those ads was maybe tapped from that site. Yeah. I mean, that's slipping my mind who it is. I'll remember it after the show and we'll get it in the show notes, but, um, yeah, it's, uh. 
It's good stuff. It's right well, up my and, alley. And, I, and I admit it. I think I admitted last time that I probably I'm I'm in a minority and not liking that McDonald's ad. And I do think it's a creative ad. It just hits me personally in the wrong way. And once we started after the podcast, Jackie was in another part of the office and she was bursting out of her chair going, I love that ad. <laughs> and then we had to play it for Adam who hadn't heard it. And then it was stuck in my head for like two hours. Yeah. Right. No, once, once I saw it, once I saw it, I have, I have seen it. I know I've seen it. So, and, I, and I remember my first reaction to seeing it was that I laughed. I thought it was funny. So yeah, I, I, that's yeah. it's just very, it's, it's, it's different. Catchy. And I'm all for different. Mm-hmm. And it's catchy. I just it catches me like a like a thorn in my ear. <laughs> catches well, me. And it's a very unexpected McDonald's commercial. Yeah, it's pretty random. I mean, it's better them. than their old kind of cornball. We're cool. Um, I love. What was it? I love it. Loving it. No. Well, they still use that. McLovin. <laughs> Do they still <laughs> use? I love it, but not the ads where I'm loving it. Yeah, kind of. Do they with, with the like cornball a... kind of slice of life? Hey, but I think there's more sarcasm now in a lot of there's, their ads. There's like that a little yeah. more. There's a little, in like the old, um, the ones advertising that they're selling coffee now and they're kind of trying to t- be anti-Starbucks. They're yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I don't carry a titanium phone or whatever, you know. Well, there's... and it was, it, I understand what they were doing there, but that also was off-putting to me because I'm the people they're talking about. <laughs> they're ripping on people <laughs> with iPhones and, phone. you know, pretentious, whatever. I don't think right. I'm pretentious, but... No, I'm not above buying money. It was kind of the message to me was, hey, now you can get coffee in a crappy place. And it's the same <laughs> coffee. And it's just cheaper. Come to, you know, don't go to a cool place. Come to a crappy place. Yeah. That's what I took away from it. Oh, well. Just me. Now I'm getting hungry. Talking about McDonald's. <laughs> Play fish. So my... Here we come. Give me that fish. <laughs> yeah. How would you like it? Something, something. If you were on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we better stop there because it's not going to leave my brain. All right. They've already turned us off. <laughs> For Inter- Intervals Healthcare Marketing Insights, I'm Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. I'm Jackie Retackle. Give us that fish. Give us that fish. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>